And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And as May continues to bring us nice warm weather, finally, we're looking at some wonderful landscape shrubs this month on Down the Garden Path. We'll introduce you to a couple of classics and a couple of superstars you might be meeting for the first time. What are you wondering about uh, flowering shrubs in your garden? That sentence made sense. I didn't read that properly. (laughs) We're wondering, we are wondering what flowering shrubs that you have in your garden. Do you have a favorite? We'd love for you to tell us by writing us here at instudio101 at gmail.com. Do you like my take too, Matt? Was that good? That was good. (laughs) That was good. That was good. So we introduced, but we didn't tell people we were talking about by burnums, which is kind of a in a way, it's kind of an old-fashioned shrub, but I feel like they're making a comeback. Don't you think? I agree. Yeah, I think it kind of falls in kind of in between those two. It's kind of a classic, but there's some cool new spins and some really great uh, cultivars and varieties out there that maybe not everybody is familiar with or needs to be reintroduced to. Uh, so I think what we were thinking at the time that it was just a great, diverse uh, group of shrubs, some different uh, shapes and sizes. It was definitely worth taking a look at all of their amazing characteristics. Um, Absolutely. I think there's one for every garden. There really is. Mm. Whether you've got a large garden, um, there's some really large varieties. Whether you've got um, a smaller garden, you know, I've got a couple in my garden. Um, and I know we've um, we've talked about dogwoods before, flowering dogwoods. And uh, I think these are a great accompaniment to those. Um, and often, I think most people will, because they often called the one, the most common one, I think is often called snowball, right? And the snowball shrub, I want a snowball shrub. And because it's something that their mother had, their grandmother had, you know, that was very fragrant. And so as soon as they say it was very fragrant, we know it's not a hydrangea, it is a, a snowball, a viburnum. That's right. And often in the garden center, they would pop in and say, what's that hydrangea blooming right now? It has such a nice fragrance. Well, actually, that's a fragrance snowball viburnum. And they're just over here. Say, oh, yeah. So a lot of people also, because they have, uh, there's a group of them with some flat round or flat uh, type of flowers, but there's a lot of them with some nice rounded globular flowers as well. So a lot of people think they're almost like a spring blooming hydrangea or something of the like, because they can look very similar, but smaller. So mm-hmm. yeah, you've probably seen a viburnum thinking it's a different somebody else. Yes, somebody yes. Else. 
Yes, and very common to say snowball. And some of them do yes. have that rounded flower. Some of them have much more of a, um, what would you call it, more, more of an open flower. Yeah, almost like a pinwheel or a flat lace cap flower as yes, well. Yes, lace cap, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you'll see, I'm sure the one that you have, um, you've got one of the lace cap types, do you not? I do, we'll yeah. I have, summer, I have summer snowflake <laughs> and yes. I have, and I... Um, I always forget the name of the one I have that's flowering already. That's one that's the early flowering one. Remember, I've, I've put it out into the world before to say, which variety is this? So I'll look it up in my Instagram feed somewhere as to what variety it is, because I've had to have people uh, tell me which one it is. But it's the first bloomy. It's light pink. I believe it's a viburnum, unless I'm like mistaking myself. But uh, anyway, so there are uh, quite a few. And it's lovely that they're native. A lot of the native ones, not only do they have the flower, but then they get berries, right? Um, so it's it's a really uh, great versatile shrub. Yes, exactly. We get to see lots of, of beautiful natives that are native to North America, Eastern North America, some from Newfoundland all the way over to BC or Virginia to Washington State. Uh, so there's a big wide native range in there. Uh, great adaptable conditions, most of them as well. And then we also do get to see some of the Asian varieties uh, that come over, like our Korean spice uh, or European snowball or the fragrant snowball uh, type as well. So they're kind of a worldwide shrub with lots of great uh, characteristics and great shapes and sizes and things. Oh, did you find it? I did. I did. So speaking of sizes, so this one's not a bad size. It, it, it's, it's about three feet, maybe four feet. Um, and uh, so it is Viburnum Ferrari Nanum. Dwarf fragrant viburnum. So it's actually pink flowers, but very tiny little pink tubular flowers. Um, and it is fragrant. And it is the first, like, so it's been blooming for probably about two weeks already in my garden. So it's always, whoops, as I hit my mic. Um, that's what happens when you talk with your hands. Um, you, uh, it's been blooming. So it's always the first thing, like everything is dead and that, and that blooms because it blooms before it leaves out. So it's quite nice. Yeah. And, and sorry, what was that name one more time? Uh, Viburnum. I want to say Ferrari like the car, but it's not. It's F-A-R-R-E-R-I. So Ferrari Nanum. Okay. Or Fragrant Viburnum. Um, Adele, shout out to Adele Designer on Instagram. She helped me ID it. Um, you had said at the time that it was a Viburnum cultivar and it could be a Viburnum uh, Korean Spice. And... Um, so yes, but uh, yeah. So you're looking away to see who was right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, I think I when I looked it that. up, it, it did. It was that one, uh, the one that she had said. Um, so uh, so yeah. So you can look back. Anybody wants to look back at my Instagram feed, you can see a picture of it. Um, and uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's for me. It's I kind of plant was one of the first things I planted, but then I planted things around it, so it kind of is hidden a little bit. So I just see a little peak of it between my weeping um, white pine and my snowball viburnum <laughs> it's kind of there so yeah and viburnum is one of the great things about viburnums is that they're one of those groups of shrubs that have 
that three to four seasons of interest. We get some wicked fall color, uh, but also there are some that have um, very nice bark, some nice smooth gray bark, or some colored like golden stems, much like a, a dogwood or something after they lose their leaves. So they give a little bit of color. Um, what about yours, your um, dwarf fragrant one? Does it give you what kind of fall color? Does it give you, does it give you any winter interest in the stems? Um, no extra interest in the stems. It does give me some fall color. It is pretty shaded. Um, so, and in fact, I had had, I think there's two in my garden, but one is very much underneath. Uh, so it's living, but not thriving and uh, not blooming. Um, the one that is getting a bit more sun is, that's the one I'm, I'm talking about. And it is um, blooming nicely. And I will see some red in there. Um, it's a shame because it's, it's too big to move. Right. And I should really try and move the little one out a bit. Um, but it's just, you know, that's what happens when you plant everything. And I have to confess, I did plant things a little tighter because I wanted kind of instant. Right. I wasn't patient. Um, so it's one and it's been hard to find because I would have I haven't been able to find it to use it in um, clients gardens. So, uh, so yeah, so that's something I should really look for more because it really is worth it. I could, especially by the front door, like, I think it's a, it's a great one that because of that, how early it blooms and mm. because of how, and fragrance and fall color, I think it would make a really good um, specimen. And I think it, mine is, you know, like I said, about four and a half feet, four feet tall, but I think you could easily maintain that if you, if you didn't, or you could let it get taller if you wanted as well. So, so definitely, uh, you know, look out for that. Um, did you find the pictures? Did I find, oh yes, I quickly oh. looked okay. for pictures of them there, there, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and the cool thing is that the flowers are actually pink where most of the viburnums, right? They're white. Right, right. Most of them they'll open to a white um, or they'll have like a little bit of a pink blush uh, to the outside of the petals when they're closed and they'll open up and they'll be a nice mm -hmm. uh, bright solid white for sure. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. have a few questions rolling Already. in. Already. Already. Uh, so Excellent. we Donna has written in hi to Joanne and Matthew. Joanne, I hope that you had a very nice Mother's Day. I knew, I knew what these flowers were called. I did, in fact, refer them to them as snowballs. Thanks for the information. I love them. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Donna, for letting us know that you love them. See, viburnums are out there. We've, we've all seen them. <laughs> Carl's written in. Hi, Joanne and Matt. You say these plants are native to us here, question mark, uh, in the GTA. And yes, um, there are a number that range across uh, the Great Lakes area and the upper uh, northern United States and all the way from the east coast to the west coast. So a couple of different varieties that we'll look at there. Um, then you probably will recognize the names as we, we talk to them about them. Uh, and then Carl also asks, are they sold by seeds or by plants? Thank you. Uh, Joanne, maybe you can jump in here too. Um, I have never seen them by seed. I've only seen them sold by plants. Uh, and it's mostly all the cultivars that are being propagated asexually and you buy them by plants. I've never seen them by uh, seed. However, you might find them from somewhere uh, like a native plant nursery might have some seeds that are available to you. But again, they probably have those seeds already for their own stock and they're growing smaller plants or different size plants for you to grow. 
Yes, or exactly. Yeah. And I think something growing a shrub by seed, man, I don't know, that takes a lot of patience, I think, when you can, <laughs> when you can get it as a shrub. So yes, uh, most um, nurseries should have them or, uh, you know, uh, people in the industry like you and I can get them from wholesale growers and, and that type of thing. So landscapers, so if you ask for them specifically, they should be able to find them. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> they have been around for so long and we're going to just share a, a, a very, like a handful of some of those great ones that you're going to find out there, but they are like roses where they have been so popular for so long and there's there's a huge following just specifically to viburnums that you mm -hmm. couldn't, we couldn't talk about all of them now. So for sure, for sure. And they tend to often in the landscapes be like um, um, a background plant, you know, like I, I did a garden tour in Niagara last year and, you know, some of the mature homes that we were in these garden tours, um, you know, that had mature properties with mature, you know, like even almost historical homes with mature foundation planting or mature hedging and different trees. And they were often, you know, because there were a few that caught us. I think you've got one on your list there that we were, I think it was the Korean spice where we were like, what in the world is that, you know, because I think is that the one that has a really interesting, almost like evergreen foliage. So, you know, one of the designers happened to know what it was, but it was, it was behind everything else. You know, it was, it was uh, so, yeah. So often they aren't sometimes because of their size, right. They're more in the yes. background. Um, and so there are, and because they bloom, you know, for a relatively short time, sometimes you might miss it. So, uh, so that's kind of thing. So they definitely are. I know I see um, Chris has asked, are they hard to beautiful flowers, hard to grow? Um, they're really not. I think they really uh, do do are tough. They are tough plants. I think the one that everybody knows, and that is the European snowball, which is that small, round, fragrant mm -hmm. one. Unfortunately, is is it what eats it? it there, it's often decimated the flowers are beautiful but the foliage so it is a little bit more susceptible to some really severe insect damage do you know the name of the beetle that eats it yeah we get the like uh, viburnum leaf beetle um, okay. and they will come in just like the Japanese beetle it's the larva that you see on not like the Japanese beetle because we're going to see the adult which is the Japanese beetle uh, but we'll see the larva and their little the little caterpillars that crawl around and they will skeletonize all of the leaves uh, and just decimate the appearance of the plant, turn mm. all the leaves to lace uh, before they drop off and then uh, start to yeah. mature and pupate. So if you've had that, I mean, you can treat for that if you, you know that you're getting them every single year. Easy to treat. You can use, uh, again, if you're in the States, I'm sure you have harder, mm. harsher chemicals than we do, uh, but we're going to use something like our BTK or something like that where they come in and they'll eat it as they start to emerge and then they'll die. And they'll mm -hmm. vanish, but your viburnum will survive. They will generally leaf out again after all yeah. that damage. They'll lose their leaves and then they'll pop back out again. Because mm -hmm. yeah. that variety was often, when I know when I started designing, often sold as a, like even a standard, right? An ornamental tree where it was grafted yes. onto it was a beautiful tree. But then uh, more and more when they were just being decimated and totally la lace capped, like you said, like, um, you know, I stopped using them in designs and, yeah. and, and so many people say they just love them and they're just so sad that the foliage looks so bad. Um, but um, so it's good to know that you can use BTK, which is a safe product to uh, to deal with those caterpillars. So it is a downfall. And I think that's led to, you know, the growers 
um, growing a little less of that variety. And it's Definitely. a shame because it is fragrant and they are, um, they are beautiful. Um, so yeah, so that is one that I'm sure many of you can remember. And I, I'm sure there'll be a few people that write, write in remembering that not only did their grandmother or mother have one, um, but they remember that the, some kind of insect decimated it, right? <laughs> exactly. We have three more questions from our listeners. They are running straight with some of the most popular questions when it comes to getting yes. any new shrubs, uh, which uh, you've got, I know I've got right at the top of our list. Uh, Gail writes in and says, hello, uh, do they need full sun or partial sun? Thank you so much. And yeah, viburnums are more of a full sun plant. However, they will tolerate partial sun as well. And uh, one of our natives, our uh, nanny berry, will take a full shade as well uh, quite nicely. And she's a fairly big one that we'll talk about soon. But yeah, they're generally going to be full sun to partial shade or partial sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. And Anne has written in and she said, how long do these plants bloom all summer and into fall? Thank you. Well, that kind of, that varies, right? Yes. Most mm -hmm. of them are going to be spring blooming. Like mm -hmm. Joanne said, she's got her dwarf fragrant one. She's starting right now, right up with uh, the forsythia and the magnolias right at the beginning of the season. Depending on the cultivar, we'll also see some that are going to move into mid-spring or late spring, each lasting a couple or a few weeks, depending on who you've got in your yard. But with the viburnums, uh, one of their other seasons of interest is our summer and in the fall, as most of those clusters of flowers will turn into some bright red or blue or black uh, edible berries that mm -hmm. will give you that long color for the rest of the season. So a shorter bloom period, nothing like our salvias or our hydrangeas and echinaceas where they're going to bloom for, you know, a couple months on end, uh, but they are going to be gorgeous and show-stopping first thing in the spring. And they're going to reward you with some more color in the fall with their berries and that beautiful uh, different fall color, again, depending That's on, right. on yeah. who you've got. So. Yeah. Yeah. So some of them, not only do they have berries, but the fall leaves turn red or burgundy and so that gives you so it really is kind of a three three season shrub uh, do, do you think they retain do we know enough do they retain some of the berries in the winter to kind of be some yeah yeah mostly um mostly they'll go into a late fall early winter um and then sorry i think it's the american uh, high, the high bush cranberry, or the American cranberry, what I was going to say, uh, the viburnum obulus, they will hold theirs longer uh, mm. into the winter as well. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Some winter. Yeah, so, do we then... want to start talking about the varieties? Well, well we, I, did, I did talk about the European snowball. Like that, that's. Yeah. Um, so, I think, uh, who was it here? Just to mention names, Carl, I believe it was. Um, starting one of the probably the classic ones that we always see or I often would get asked for in the garden center was our nanny berry mm. viburnum our viburnum lentago and it is a North American native again uh, all the way through southern Canada New Brunswick west uh, to southeastern Saskatchewan and then the northern parts of uh, the United States around the Great Lake and kind of crossing into the borders. But this is a fairly large native shrub with a medium growth rate. She's going to grow upwards of 10 to 15 feet tall and 8 to 10 feet wide. She's huge. She's a deciduous, multi-stemmed 
very upright and spreading in habit uh, with nice glossy uh, pointed leaves that eventually go a beautiful um, red to almost like a brick wall, wall red uh, in the fall as well. Like we were touching on earlier about the conditions for all of our viburnums, all of our viburnums, they are all fairly adaptable. They're pretty, uh, not really particular, I guess is what I'm trying to say, about soil or pH. So depending on the soil you've mm -hmm. got or the pH, they're going to adapt. It might slow them down a little bit because, again, they're medium growers, but they're fairly adaptable. Again, they're going to like full sun to full shade. Our nanny berries hardy to zone two. Uh, and like most of the viburnums, they're fairly adaptable to moist conditions as well as dry conditions. They do like more of an evenly moist or an average moisture, uh, but a lot of them are also very adaptable that way as well. Flowers, we're gonna see creamy white, flat, fluffy, almost fluffy looking, uh, just because of the little flower parts in the middle of the flowers as they open, create a nice fluffy dome in mid-spring. And the nanny berry is gonna go uh, turn into clusters of dark blue to like a royal blue, edible, sweet tasting berry. And they're gonna appear anywhere from late summer into uh, the early to mid fall. With most viburnums, as far as care, the only thing you really need to do is prune for shape uh, after they bloom. They're spring flowering mm -hmm. plants, so the easiest or the best time is going to be right after they bloom. And you can shape, uh, remove any of those limbs. Again, being spring blooming uh, and being one of the shrubs, we don't really want to do anything too much in uh, late winter or even in the late fall. We don't want to cut off any of the blossoms that are going to show up for the spring. So let her do their thing like our lilacs that we talked about last week, and they will reward you with lots of flowers that'll become berries. And if you don't like the idea of the berries to attract in uh, some of the birds that you might have in your area, uh, you can just prune off all of those flowers as you shape it and use it more for a spring flowering shrub and, and that fall color you get later. You'll cut off all those berries that are arriving for any mess or anything like that. Yeah. But they are edible as well. So maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's probably one of the, the, the most common ones that I've, we see even now. Um, yeah. And again, it, even in the garden center, just thinking about the people who ask, it, it is the older gardeners who know the value and the beautiful fall mm -hmm. color and those rich blueberries uh, that show up, that they absolutely love them. And again, using, I mean, it is a very large shrub, again, 10 to 15 feet tall, uh, 10 feet wide-ish, but you can keep them pruned. You can use them as an accent plant mm -hmm. in a larger garden. Being a native, it's great for an area that you're naturalizing or to support uh, the local wildlife. The berries aren't harmful to pets or human beings. They are deer-resistant plants as well, the viburnums. Uh, and you can use them as a nice hedge. You can keep them to a shape with a little bit of maintenance as well. Okay. Um, and many of the varieties have different, like it's one of those things too, that leaves are different, right? And in, in, yeah. um, across some of them. So I'm looking at um, Viburnum Winton, which, um, and the botanical name is Hilary. Um, and really interesting, kind of more like skinny leaves. Um, it does say it goes to zone five, but it does say also that um, they are more in the United States. So you might be more, um, so they're saying, doo -doo -doo -doo, 
in Georgia, Kentucky, uh, Oregon area. Um, and that one gets, they often are uh, wider than they are tall. So this is mm -hmm. a different one. So it says um, the height is eight to 10 feet, um, but then the width is um, eight to 10, oh, eight to 10 as well. Sorry, let me make that. And they do have a nice, the pictures here have got a nice burgundy um, leaf, but the flower is a little bit more insignificant in this mm. variety. Um, so that is neat there, you know, it's just the range that goes very far. Um, and, um, and then David Viburnum or Viburnum David I um, is zone seven to nine. So we don't have them here. Um, oh. But again, um, full sun to partial shade. And these ones are a little lower growing and evergreen to semi evergreen shrub valued for their dark glossy leaves. And uh, yes, that turquoise blue fruit. And uh, so, yeah, so they make a nice, good foundation plant with ferns and azaleas and other um, acid loving plants. So there you go for the, our listeners that are lucky enough to be in zone seven that you can grow so many different things. You too can also <laughs> uh, um, grow viburnums. And that's the cool thing. So I, I was saying to Matt, like he did some research on some varieties and then I picked up one of my books, um, The Creative Shrub Garden, which you know how much I love shrubs and thought, oh, I wonder which ones they are featuring. So I thought I'd add a couple um, as well to, uh, you know, just for just for it's different sizes, right? The more information you have, the better. And with climate change, things are, you know, zones are kind of blending a little bit. So who knows, yeah. we might be able to grow without one. I really like the idea of the, the low heifer because we're looking right now for really like a boxwood replacement. So it'd be kind of cool to have, when I look at this, I'm like, Ooh, that could be like a nice little low <laughs> hedge type uh, plant. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So nanny berry, like you said, I think the other one, um, and you mentioned it briefly there is, is the high bush cranberry, right? And then yeah. isn't there a compact high bush cranberry? And yeah. those are, even though they're, we call them cranberry, but they're in the viburnum family, right? Right, right. So we've okay. just kind of given them that cranberry name uh, as they get those those nice, um, uh, pardon me, all those the beautiful berries uh, right. that they end up having, right? Those okay. nice red berries with that nice sour flavor. And the highbush cranberry is the one that we've often been using. Again, a North American native um, from coast to coast, uh, but more so in the upper ranges. But we've often used those berries for preserves. Um, so ah. we've used them for preserves and in cooking uh, as well. So yeah, the high bush cranberry, the native species, we're going to see again, 10 feet tall by eight feet wide, medium growth rate, but responds well to pruning and keeping of a shape. But yeah, recently there was um, mm -hmm. Bailey Compact. <clears throat> so Bailey Compact, I believe from yes, Bailey Nursery. I've seen that, yeah. Or, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think um, Conan, was it Conan or was it? I thought it was Bailey, but I might be just thinking I might be associating it. But yeah, I have compact European cran uh, cranbe uh, cranberry bush viburnum. So viburnum opulus compactum. So yeah, so yeah. two meters high. So that's more like we say compact. It's only six feet high, right? It's six feet. But <laughs> that's compact, everybody. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, cardinal candy viburnum, yes. um, which is a little smaller as well. And, um, and then blue muffin. So those, I mean, they're all kind of food related. Isn't that kind of funny, eh? They are. <laughs> yeah, blue muffin, um, uh, I believe it's a viburnum dentatum versus yes. the opulus. Uh, but yeah, fantastic, rich blue black berries, again, that are edible. 
uh, Cardinal again, uh, the beautiful, that five by five, the huge abundant clusters of those bright burgundy to uh, fire engine red berries that are again, mm-hmm. nice and edible and, and usable for sure. That's right. And I, and that's a Cardinal candy one is also uh, deer resistant. So that's often very popular. Um, and the botanical name as Dilatatum. Um, so yeah, the, you know, there's so that, that shows you how big the family really is, right. Is how mm-hmm. many different um, botanical names. Um, but I think for our listeners sake, you know, you, you it's going to be much easier to remember the candy or the name of the food, right. So yeah. muffin, <laughs> Cardinal candy, um, cranberry bush, you know, those are the names that I think will stick with everybody's uh, mind there. Um, but most of all of these uh, seem to have, you know, fall color, as well as the berries and the blooms. So, so really a great option. So yeah, I, I love, yeah. I don't know if any listeners have written in about what, if they've gotten a variety that they're growing, because we'd love to hear from you about that. Wouldn't we? We would. And you can write us at in studio 101 at gmail.com. And while you all open your email address to tell us all about the viburnums and cool flowering shrubs that you guys have. It's 7.30 and I'm going to jump in and just say thank you everybody for joining us here on live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host Joanne Shaw and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden like some of the fabulous uh, viburnums that are about to pop into show or already doing it. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at down the garden path podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. You can always write us here again in studio. 101 at gmail.com. Our wonderful producer, Gary, gives us the mail. And you can also reach us via our websites. You can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca. And you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. So you're talking about um, some dwarf viburnums. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've told you about one of my latest favorites, uh, was Lil Diddy. So Lil, L-I-L, Diddy. Um, it's a Cassianoides variety, one of the wither rods. So it is a North American native. And she's only going to grow about two feet by two feet. Yeah. And she gets those nice flat white uh, panicle, or sorry, almost uh, umbel-like flowers, very fuzzy and soft uh, in about mid-spring to late spring. And then she has nice, long, um, almost like lanceolate or long extended oval of glossy, medium, dark green leaves that go a beautiful burgundy uh, in the fall. But I love her just because she's just a nice, again, medium growth, two by two North American native, nice for a nice little small space uh, as well. And they're hardy to zone three through zone eight. So she does get... Uh, a little bit further into the south Uh, and then yeah just a nice typical kind of kind of leaf 
Oh, very interesting. So are, we can find that at garden centers near us? Yes. Yeah. I've, we've had it in, or I've seen them in garden centers uh, for about two years now. So just recently introduced Ooh, okay. to a nice newer dwarf. And like you said, their viburnums are very large shrubs. So mm-hmm. things like your little ditty, uh, little ditty, um, or your dwarf um, compact them, or your Ferrari, I mean, yep. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the little yeah, I <laughs> they're hard to find for viburnums because viburnums are very large shrubs. Uh, so they're great, or blue muffin, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I do notice Gloria's written in the question oh. saying, what color do these shrubs bloom to and are there multicolor blooms? No, unfortunately, Gloria, mostly they are white. I know my dwarf uh, fragrant one does come in pink and it goes to like a light blush. Um, but that's probably the, you know, I think the fruit is colorful and the yeah. fall color fall color can be colorful, but it, it pretty primarily is a white flowering shrub. And regardless of whether it's the balls or whether it's the, the wider panicles um, kind of lace cap. Yeah. yeah there, and there's always like the little exception to the rule, like the Korean splice, like you said, has that little bit of blush before she opens white. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's Jude or Judd, J-U-T-D viburnum. Uh, it will open to a nice pink round snowball uh, type viburnum as well. Uh, and she's about five by six to zone about five through nine um, and more of a spreading mounding type uh, and again with some purple fall color um mm. i'm trying to remember who the other purple fall color was because it was a very it'll neat come purple. To you. but it'll come yes, to me i'm sure come yes yeah <laughs> okay dave is written in with a very interesting question um so dave so yeah mountain joanne do you remember hostess snowball cake they were white and pink snowballs that look like viburnums with a chocolate bottom and a cream filling. Now I'm hungry. Um, do you remember those? These flowers always reminded me of them. And I don't. Oh, my I, goodness. I do not, Dave. You're going to have to send me a picture of that packaging. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking I can only think of the chocolate like cupcake one with like the white icing in the middle. Right. Like squiggly down the, the center. That's the hostess chocolate cake I can think of. But he says pink. Uh, honestly. I remember like it was like a, there was one that I thought, I think there's one. Was it like a, there was like a flat dome and then it had like a pink icing sugar on it or like a pink like. It was, uh, it was like it? that, but it was like coconut on the top, pink you- and white. And, oh, okay. and it was, okay. and I do remember okay. those. So you do remember, you remember Yes, them, yes, I do. <laughs> Nice. I'm surprised. I don't remember the kind of, I love. Yeah, me either. <laughs> it's chocolate has chocolate in its name. Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, thank you, Dave. That's interesting. Uh, most, yeah, because often like on our list of when we have questions and Matt, right, we see it down our list, and we don't often get hosted snowball cakes as uh, like as a subject line. <laughs> yeah. um, so so thank you, Dave, for one making us hungry and uh, two making us uh, reminisce. So thank you. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Now we can't, I want to definitely talk about summer snowflake if I can, because mm, yes. that is, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say I don't overuse it as much as I overuse my uh, hydrangeas, but it is definitely one that everybody should have in their garden. Um, it is a much more open uh, kind of lacy uh, a flower. It mm-hmm. is cool also in its shape. Like it's very um, horizontal, like the branching. So I try to explain to people, 
it's not like a like some of the other ones are a little round and a little blobby for less i'm sure you have a scientific term for the blobbiness globular. of them <laughs> pardon globular got globular or there mounded. You go. <laughs> mounded whereas i love the shape of the the summer snowflake um you know very horizontal branching and it really is a bloomer for a long time so it blooms again not as showy as a um a hydrangea but it will yes. bloom you know once it starts blooming it will continue to bloom certainly the spring bloom is the first flush is predominant and then it will right. sporadically keep blooming right the rest of the season yeah. and then it does have an amazing fall color so shows up the burning bush as far as i'm concerned and i just love that mm -hmm. branching habit so i have let my shrub and you can keep it a shrub if you want to keep it a shrub you want to keep it to three feet four feet five feet great i have let mine grow uh to above eight feet um nancy you know our designer friend that won't come on the show but she has one she, <laughs> and hers is probably about 12 feet now at her front door she's let it get bigger and she's trimmed off the. she's kind of turned it into a tree because she's trimmed off the lower branches oh nice, she says yeah. i should do but i'm too chicken because i love that it's so i've trimmed off a few little ones but i still like that it's you know I'm you know multi-stemmed as opposed to a tree tree um, but it is I, I do plant it sometimes you need to give it it is a little wider but you can control that too I think yeah I agree with you it's just, as far as the excitement around the shrub it's beautiful um, like you were saying multi-stem very architectural in uh, like the way the horizontal branching goes out and it gives you that very um, layered architectural look when there's no leaves on it. Uh, but like you said, absolutely beautiful, right from the ground starting, dark green, serrated, uh, pointy foliage. And again, that beautiful red fall color. Um, I've seen it anywhere from so four and up. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. how heat tolerant is it, um, but I know, again, just like the other ones, very adaptable to your soil, prune after spring, uh, doesn't like standing water, but does like that average to moist, can adapt uh, fairly well. And like you said, beautiful, uh, those lace cap flowers mm -hmm. that flush in the spring. And then they remind me of a Julia in just the way that they just keep like bubbling up and all randomly all over the shrub throughout the mm -hmm. whole season and I just I just love it and again like we said most of them are again that that early spring to late spring kind of flush but this is one of those ones that kind of give you a little bit more of that interest through its third season being or its middle mm -hmm. season being being that summer for sure yeah I don't really find that it has fruit I know I'm, I'm just reading about it here and it says red droop so I think, yeah, I think where the flowers are finished, I think that, that you know, is that the droop that has yeah. gets a little bit of a color to it, but it doesn't get a true berry, for, for instance. Um, but yeah, so spring, fall repeat yeah. is, is what they're saying here. So, and I would say uh, uh, one and a half meters high to one uh, and 1.2 meters wide is, uh, is kind of how they go, but it, like they're six definitely six, eight by eight. Yeah, for sure. And right. it's not an expensive shrub, like for something that can grow no. into something that I think can really become a specimen. Um, it, it is a very reasonably like, you know, 40 under $40 shrub, right? You can spend more and get something bigger. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think it, there's a place, like I said, you know, because I think if you want something like a burning bush that has that fall color, to me, this is like, 
better bang for your buck because you're getting that really interesting shape and you're getting a longer uh, bloom and then you still get that red foliage. Of course, it does need to get sun and the more sun, you know, the redder it'll be. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I definitely think there is uh, a one for everybody in that. Like, you know, I, that's what oh, I meant when I said there is a viburnum for every garden and that is one I think you can make very adaptable. Yeah, exactly. There are just so many shapes and sizes and many seasons of interest. And I like that you, you compare it to the burning bush. Everyone is like, oh, the red of burning bush. And there's so many great shrubs, especially in the viburnums. They just give you an amazing, uh, outperform the, the red color sometimes of that burning bush, depending mm -hmm. on who you have. Just touching back onto your point about um, price, Frank had written in as well, just, you know, the, that's the big question. How expensive are they? Uh, and yeah, like we were talking about lilacs, depending on the cultivar, is it new like Little Diddy? New on the market, you're probably going to pay a little bit more in the same size, like two gallon versus a two gallon nanny berry, right? Because mm -hmm. they're native and they're everywhere. So depending on, the, again, the size and the cultivar that you're buying or the variety that you're picking up, um, they're reasonably priced. You're not going to be, you know, it's not like a Japanese maple where you're going to be paying $300 for um, you know, a medium size or uh, maybe not that much, but like a hundred dollars for, you know, a smaller plant type thing. Mm -hmm. They're pretty reasonably priced. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you mention Viburnum dentatum, Arrowwood? Yeah, that was uh, one of the, okay. well, what you mentioned, Blue Muffin. Right. Um, oh, right. Is, yes. Okay. Right, which is one of the narrow, our, our dentatums. Yeah. So again, okay. another North American native, um, more Eastern North America, um, from far north in Canada to down to Florida, yeah. likes those wet streams and moist wooded areas. Mm -hmm. yeah. And another yeah. big zone three. So that's great for yeah, northern, exactly. you know, so that's a tough hardy shrub, you know, so anybody that's listening in from, you know, uh, lower zones, then that's something good to know for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, certainly if you pick up, pick up a book, I know I've got like a catalog here and like, oh my goodness, there's so many different varieties and botanical names, but I think it's, it's, you know, I think when you're looking for something different and you're looking for, you know, if you've got an established garden and you just want something that's different and that has a multi-season of interest, yeah. you know, when you're trying to fill in something, um, maybe you've lost something or you've, you know, taken something out that you didn't like. And uh, so I think definitely something to consider as far as a, a viburnum goes. And I'm excited about this little di little ditty. So it's not in this catalog that I was looking at, but uh, I'm going to look for that because I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, little ditty. Yes. Wait till we talk about some hydrangeas later. I'll tell you about another cool and exciting first of its kind released Ooh. in 2022. Leave everybody wondering what that is. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yes. As you were saying about the arrowwood viburnum, though, um, again, this is one of those ones with very toothed leaves. Uh, so you get, again, some nice texture in the leaves. I think you kind of alluded to it as well. Most of the viburnums have that kind of medium texture. So they're great for that kind of when they're in just in leaf, they're great as a, a background or something to be beside to really enhance other textures. But the arrowwoods get a beautiful, deep purple uh, fall color. As, uh, as well going into there, uh, into the fall. Oh my gosh, I just totally lost my words there. That's but yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that nice serrated foresty green foliage and then that nice rich purple fall color. Uh, so just another one if you're looking for something different as well. 
Um, yeah. What about Marie's Double File by Burnham? You know what? That one I don't know too much but about. Um, but I did want to say Double File is one of those words that we see a lot with Viburnums in the name. And it's actually referring to the flowers. So. Oh. I thought it was okay. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. So the flowers is referring to the shape of the flower. So it means um, having two rows of flower buds surrounded by the bracts. So if you think of like a lace cap flower, like a hydrangea, mm-hmm. little flower parts, the little four petaled flower parts, those are their bracts and the flower are the little bits that open up inside. Um, so the double files are a group with two rows of flowers. And then we get those little lace pinwheels all the way around okay. outside or surrounding them depending on who you've yeah. that's so funny because I thought it was because it is also one that has a very horizontal habit yes right? that so architectural it's, it's, yeah yes, very, very architectural horizontal. when you see pictures so everybody should be hopefully now with their their computer googling Bur- by Burnham's Marie's double file <laughs> um so so not I thought it was native but it is not native but the but it is bird friendly because I thought the birds um did use the uh, berries. So creamy white, dark green, um, again, very rounded, um, globular, like you said, um, <laughs> uh, full sun. And uh, it can also become because I have a girlfriend who has it on because she's a corner lot like I am. And she has it on the outside of her fence and neighbors like mm. everybody. So she was one of those shrubs. She goes, I had to start putting labels outside because everybody <laughs> would stop and ask, what in the world is that? So she was she talks very fondly of her Marie's uh, double file. Uh, by Burnham. Um, and it's a shame because I think they are kind of old fashioned, but they're so hardy and they're yeah. so, like so not needy whatsoever, right? They're not needing a lot. Like I think sometimes we we overthink things and we buy and design with hydrangea or, you know, not, not that hydrangeas are needy, but like Japanese maples and some of the other things that need so much more babying, right? They need a lot more babying, but and then as well as they have, like you said, like the hydrangeas, the Japanese maple, they've got that one thing, like the hydrangea blossoms or that very, you know, that beautiful burgundy leaf that's all the time. So I think people have lost the magic when it comes to the shrubs of, you know, watching them appear in the spring and then, you know, coming into doing some berries and just enjoying the beautiful like architecture or the texture of the leaves and the shrubs and how they play with everything else around it and then releasing itself to the finality of the season with a blaze of fall color and show I think everyone just kind of wants to look at it all the time Mm kind of static and you lose the magic of the growth and the transformation yes at least that's how I <laughs> yeah, no, I think so too. And I also think it's tricky for when you're shopping at the nursery, right? Because we know this about yes. um, like as popular as Japanese maples are, those poor sad green ones don't don't sell and they're so beautiful, so but they don't sell all summer until mm. in the fall when they go orange. Yeah. So I feel like we're very, you know, we want to see the flower and we want to see the fall color. And I think that's where the hydrangeas went out because when mm. whether you go from June till October you go to the nursery and there is a hydrangea in bloom right it's all always there yeah Yeah. so I think if you miss and same like with the azaleas and the rhododendrons and things like that once they're finished blooming that's it and so I think they sadly unfortunately sit in the nursery and are sadly overlooked and I think the very burnums fall in that too if you you don't if you miss the window of their blooms and then 
you, you know, maybe they don't bloom or have the berries as much in the, uh, in the summer at, when they're in a pot at a nursery and then you miss the fall color, right? Like, I feel like there's those little gaps where you manage to find it. And I think that's what happened with my fragrant one. I think I just lucked out and, and found two that were happened to be blooming and thought, oh my goodness. And it has a very nice, attractive leaf. And then I discovered they had fall color and it was like, oh, so I happened on to them from that uh, standpoint. And I think, um, you know, so, and I, you know, summer snowflake, you know, definitely because it's a longer blooming one, definitely saw it blooming at that, you know, much more hydrangea like in the sense that regardless of the season, kind of from June on, you're, it's interesting, you know, yeah. so, um, so yeah, so I think we want to encourage people to, you know, think outside the box a little bit. I was going to say, that, yeah, there's two lessons. A, you need to go to your garden centers more often. <laughs> Always be looking at things at different seasons. Uh, and then two, make sure that you, uh, you know, ask your local landscape designers or horticultural professionals uh, who are seeing those different seasons and, and can bring you something cool and exciting. <laughs> Um, that's right that's right and I think even taking um taking a, your camera with you you know we're bad we, yes. and a little segue into our book which which we when we <laughs> which we're in the middle of writing and we worried that we were saying this too much but I think now especially now that you're not carrying a camera with you you really just have your phone take lots of pictures because you might be at the garden center for one thing and but if you're taking pictures of interesting things you know that the next year you'd be like, Oh, I want, what was that thing again? That was blooming, mm -hmm. you know, that might, you know, that kind of thing. So I think, especially cause I know I realize it's a big family and asking, you can't go to the garden center and just ask for viburnum, unfortunately, right. There are so many different varieties. So I think take your um, camera, your phone out and take some pictures, take pictures of tags. And um, so when, you know, may not have room for it now, but maybe, next season you will or your next house you will or your mother's house you will you know so I think uh, that's something that I've learned that lesson of you know I might not need it right now but this is cool and I like it and it looks good right now and you know this is and, and take a picture of it right um, and that's something we yeah. talk we joke Matt and I joke about in all of our writing of the book it's like do we tell them to take pictures too often you know because yeah I think it's really important it, it gives you so much it helps with memory it helps with your own garden and I think in this case it can really help um, when you're at a garden center you know and you might be just running in for mulch and you yet you see this thing that's blooming and you have no idea what it is take a picture of the tag stop and smell the roses and that's take right. pictures that's right. and Remember, everything has its season. Go out and take your bulb pictures and your spring flowering lilac pictures and take lots of different angles and shapes and everything. Just before we segue into that book, like it sounded, <laughs> uh, we do um, have uh, a few more questions. Excellent. Uh, Lenora has written in, are these shrubs transplantable? My neighbor had them. And if, if, and if she wants to share, can she? Most certainly super adaptable, uh, very easily to transplant. Just watch the age that they are, right? The bigger they are, the more roots you're going to need to take. Um, so some of them, uh, like our, um, oh my gosh, what I'm just totally forgetting, like our nanny berry, for example, uh, as well as I believe it's our American cranberry, uh, they will sucker as well. Um, from the bottom so you might be able to dig a couple up of those versus you know a larger or a medium-sized shrub for easy uh, transplant but yeah they're definitely easy to transplant and very again very adaptable uh, to their soil and their 
their their environment wherever they are. So do you think they would be like, I know I was saying I was, I'm scared to try and transplant my, like move mine, but you think if you can, if you can get it out, it, you yeah. can transplant it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you dug up a Good. big enough root ball to reduce that shock and yeah, especially mm-hmm. now when she's actively growing and moving, um, okay. yeah, she probably take it fairly easily. And then again, take a big of a, as big of a root ball. Cause we're going into summer where we're going to have drought stress and added heat. She has super small roots. She won't adapt as quickly but she also won't be able to draw up the extra water and other resources. She needs to mitigate all that stress. So you might shock her and send her back a year or delay her. So yeah, always take as much as you can. Okay, perfect. Ray has also written in, hi, Joanne and Matthew, my pets eat everything in caps, exclamation point, safe for them. And yes, I have not found any viburnums, especially the native ones, um, that are not enjoyed uh, by wildlife birds and, and people. So for the most part, they're all edible. Um, there was one, and um, which one was it? There's one, and I'll have to look it very quickly up. Uh, but there is one, the, oh, yeah, that's what it was. It was the arrowwood. The arrowwood has a larger berry, and there's a seed in the middle of it. So the flesh is edible, but you don't want to eat the seed of your arrowwood viburnums because they can cause some upset. Yeah. Okay. And I, I usually find that the seeds, when they say that, those seeds usually taste so bad that most, you know, and, and often you yeah. see that birds don't, if something that birds don't even eat it, then that means like that they, they just taste so bad. So I think any <laughs> anything that tries to eat them is just going to spit them out, you know. Yeah. So. And the viburnums, depending on who you have, they have a very wide range of their flavor too. Some of them are very sour or a very uh, kind of a sweet sour or just they are very sweet as well. So depending on who you've got as well, they'll mm-hmm. have a different flavor, flavor, flavor profile, blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes. And there definitely is. um, So there's the compact European uh, cranberry bush viburnum, which is viburnum opulus compactum. And Mm. then like you said, there is viburnum trebulum Bailey compact. So Bailey compact American cranberry. So, you know, like I said, everybody, it's going to be hard to remember all of these botanical names. We'll do our best as much as possible to put uh, many of them in our show notes for you. Um, And it is tricky to like walk into a nursery and garden center and ask for just a viburnum. So, um, so yes, yeah, so you might want to, you know, do a little research. Um, we hope that this show helped you to kind of narrow down what you might like and the size you might like, and then uh, you can, you can definitely look for one in your neighborhood, right. In your neighborhood right. garden center or nursery. And Pam is writing in as you thank everybody. She's saying really enjoying our show to gardening show tonight. Very informative, and thanks very much for the advice on these lovely shrubs, and she loves it. So thank you, Pam. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're excited about Shrub Month. What are we talking about? Do you remember what we're talking about next month? Next week? Well, ne- yeah, next week we're going to take a look at two shrubs. Um, again, some North American natives. One is, one's not. But again, nice flowers, some nice fall color. We're going to look at uh, the shrub honeysuckles, uh-huh. uh, which have some beautiful flowers, summer flowers and fall color. And then we're also going to look at some of the dutzias as well. Excellent. So dervillas and dutzias. Dervillas and dutzias. And often, I think people will be confused because when they think of honeysuckle, you think mm. of the vine, but this think is a bush honeysuckle. Native um, shrub, and, yeah. yeah, native shrub. And uh, also, uh, so there's like an older variety, much more mature, kind of like yeah. a lilac. 
you know, that um, people might also remember from their grandmother yeah. or, or uh, mother's home. Yeah, your grandmother That's had right. I grew up with one right out yeah. the front door, just off to yeah. the side. Used it as sure. a little screen, bloomed every spring. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I was just doing a design at a home um, that was built in... Um, Oh, the 1800s, like it was a historical home as well in, in North Oshawa. And um, there's a really large mature and they're like, we don't know what it is, but it looks good every spring. And we're like, yep, that's a honeysuckle. That's a honeysuckle. Um, yeah, so definitely <laughs> excited to talk about that topic. So that'll uh, that'll introduce you to some other interesting things. Um, so yeah, so that's for next week as we continue Shrub Month. And Matt, I do want to talk about the book. It's getting exciting, isn't it? <gasps> So close, so close. We were literally putting on some finishing touches, or at least our editor was uh, putting on some finishing touches this afternoon. So, um, right. we'll yeah. give Janet the credit. So, Janet from Elwyn Press has been Perfect. wonderful and patient with us, and um, yes. she's working very hard. Um, it will be available through Amazon. Uh, we will have the details once we know the details. We will have the details to you, uh, definitely. We will be um, too excited to hold on to them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Project of love for you guys. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, so that will be interesting. And we do want to let everybody know. So the official title is Down the Garden Path, a uh, step-by-step guide through your Ontario garden. But we do know we have a lot of U.S. listeners. So even though we say Ontario Gardener, Garden, it really is uh, dependent on the zones that you're in. And so there is a lot of the upper United States that was complementary zones with Canada. And we say this in the book as well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. 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 So whether you're in Winnipeg or Florida, you, you know, timing might be a little sooner or a little later, but mm-hmm. everything should be there for you. Exactly. That's right. Some good timely tips to be looking for to give you the best start to your garden. That's right. That is right. So we're very excited. And we thank everybody for their great questions tonight. Yeah, um, and Dave did send a photo. I can't open it though, Dave. He did send a photo of the the hostess snowball cakes, but uh, I can't seem to open it. Um, so uh, so anyway, so thank you for that. Um, yeah. And uh, I, mean, I mean, I love shrub month. So it's always a good thing. I think they're the backbone to a garden, right? Yes. Oh, could you open it? Sorry, I, I just opened it. And yes, that's, that is that's kind of exactly what I was picturing. Yeah, I didn't Share think it was screen, chocolate. Really quick. Share your screen. Oh, I don't know if I can. Oh, right, Gary. Okay. Yeah, it's Gary's, yeah. It's Gary's Zoom. So sorry. It's Gary's Zoom. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Okay. Okay. But yes. Thank you for sharing um, that. Yes, I yeah. do remember things like that. So Too much fun here being had. I know. I know. And I think I hear the music. Cueing us do you off. hear the music cueing us out? I do. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. Thanks to all of you who are downloading our podcast from your favorite podcast provider and listening to us from wherever you are. Uh, we are enjoying that you enjoy the show. Look forward to talking to everybody next week as we look at Dervillas and Jutsias here on Down the Garden Path, posted live every Monday on Reality Radio 101. Good night. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.